Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Fields here again, and so happy to be with you. Yet another time, the Lord has blessed us to come together here on Wednesday evening to go into the word of the Lord, an opportunity to share, to meditate, to pray, cry, contemplate, whatever it is the word of God needs to do. I know that God's word is sufficient. God's word brings healing and cleansing, deliverance and strength. God's word, we need his word and I'm so grateful. Thank you for joining us on today. I thank God for the saints here in uh, Washington, D.C., Greater Refuge Temple and for the saints of God at Refuge Temple Annex. Uh, I thank God for you uh, and for the honor and privilege of being your pastor. And welcome to those of you who are connecting uh, with us. You may not be a member of Greater Refuge Temple in D.C. or Refuge Temple Annex in the Bronx, but you are a member of the body of Christ. Yes, so we're all family, and I thank God for you. And I pray that the lesson this evening will be a blessing to your very soul. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you once again. You have brought us together, Lord, for the purpose of going into your word. And we must get into your word so your word can get into us. Minister to us tonight. We're asking, oh God, touch every heart, every mind. Don't let us sign off of this Bible study the same way that we've come on. Touch us, Lord, one by one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. Now, um, tonight I'm in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. I want to uh, discuss something with you that's not really discussed uh, much, uh, but we need to talk about it. Uh, sometimes the saints get worn down, worn out uh, mentally, physically, spiritually. Uh, you know, and people don't like to talk about it, and I understand why, but it should be talked about uh, because there, there are people who go through it and they have no one to talk to, no one to, to really reach out and pray with them, and uh, there are people who are going through who are afraid to go to someone in their own church family because people have a tendency to judge. Uh, you know, child, what's wrong with you? Go do so-and-so and so uh, and sometimes we tend to be so insensitive, but uh, going through is part of the journey. Yeah, you're, you're disgusted and busted and uh, hurting. All of that is part of the journey. Uh, so we need to talk about this. And um, I'm going to be coming out of First Kings chapter 19. And uh, the subject of my lesson tonight is, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Um, first, let me read the story. It's a familiar story. Um, and we need to talk about this. Um, chapter 19 in the book of First Kings talks to us about something that was going on in the life of God's servant, Elijah. Listen to these words. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. 
and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword, then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. He ran for his life. Came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my fathers or my ancestors. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because of the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days, about six weeks and 40 nights under Horeb, the Mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there and said, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And afterward, a fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. Jehu, the son of Nimshai, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, and Elisha, the son of Shephat of Abel-Maholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room, or in thy stead. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. Just let that marinate for a little bit, a familiar portion of scripture. Um, 
Now, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord reveals uh, the prophet Elijah as being a man that was filled with deep devotion and unquestionable obedience. He was an obedient servant of God. He did what the Lord told him to do. And we know from reading his story in scripture uh, that he was faithful. He was a praying man, prayer warrior. Uh, he had not only faith, but I would say he had daring faith. Uh, but there comes, uh, this, in this chapter, um, it describes his breakdown, uh, his humiliation, his feeling of failure, his feeling of defeat. And those words might sound familiar to some of you. And I know we have super spiritual people who don't want to tell you the truth, but uh, here is a mighty warrior, a mighty man of God, a prayer warrior, a man that prayed and the heavens shut up, a man that prayed down fire uh, from heaven and it destroyed the altar. Uh, but now in chapter 19, we're looking at his breakdown, his humiliation, his suicidal feelings. He didn't want to live anymore. Um, what was he doing in that condition? How did he, how did he get here? And, and some of us will find ourselves right in this story, right? His feeling of failure, his feeling of defeat. Uh, so this chapter is considered by some to be a sad chapter. Uh, but uh, we can pull some nuggets out of here because while many are considering it as a sad chapter, uh, it is a very up-to-date as it relates to our own experiences. It's very up-to-date and applicable to what you and I feel in ministry or you and I feel in life. Uh, you and I are feeling from time to time during this journey and, and we need to talk about the realities of salvation. We don't always feel like shouting and twisting and turning. Uh, there were days of trouble and trial and when we're not feeling so great. Uh, and listen to these words because James, uh, when he talks about the trying of our faith, uh, working patience, and he speaks to us uh, about what faith is all about, listen to what he says in, in his writings. James chapter 5, verse 17, it, it says, Elijah or Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. This praying man was subject to like passions, the same kind of temptations and pains uh, and anguishes. Uh, he was subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. This man uh, that went through a lot of the stuff that we can identify that same man was able to pray and call down fire from heaven. He was able to shut up the heavens through prayer, and it didn't rain for the space of about three years. So um, have you ever felt discouraged? Let's, let's talk about it. Uh, have you ever felt discouraged or depressed or despondent? Let's talk some real talk tonight. Did you, have you ever 
Have you ever found yourself in the grips of despair, child of God, choir member, preacher, usher board member? Yeah, member of the body of Christ. Have you ever uh, felt the, the oppressiveness of fear uh, coming over you in the midst of life's uh, turmoils or just just trying to live for the Lord? Has fear ever knocked on your door and gripped you? Have you ever had doubts about your ability, about your anointing, about your position uh, in God? Have you ever had doubts concerning yourself? Yeah. Did you ever experience loneliness? And, and feeling that nobody understands. Many sometimes when you're going through, I'll be the first to say, many times when you're going through, the first thing you start feeling is I'm I'm all by myself. Yes, it's not the truth, but we're talking about where you are uh, and where you've been. Have you ever felt like you're at the end of your tether, or the end of the rope, or the or just the end. It's just over. I can't. I can't do it anymore. I can't. I can't do this anymore. Have you? Have you ever been there? Yeah. Um, have you ever gone to sleep and wish that you didn't wake up the next morning? Now it's. It may sound strange me having this conversation with born again believers, but the truth is, many of us can say yes to every question. I just pointed to you. There are days when we, we have been there. And some of you watching me and listening, you might be in some of these areas right now. I want to minister to you tonight. I want to talk some, I want to talk some real talk to you. Now, um, I, I want you to notice in this scriptures that I read, the desperate condition that Elijah found himself. He was in a desperate position. Um, he was suddenly gripped by fear and alarm. Uh, he was a courageous man. We can, I can take you in 1 Kings chapter uh, 18. Listen to these words, verse 17 and 18. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. He's confronting Ahab. Ahab was married to Jezebel. There's no fear here. He's looking him in the face, <laughs> standing face to face with his adversary. Let's go down to verse 40, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 40. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape, and they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. He's, he's slaying all of the false prophets uh, of, of Jezebel, 450 prophets and 400 prophets of the drove. Those were prophets that sat and ate at Jezebel's table while she's feeding them and seducing them spiritually. She seduced them spiritually and physically. She's telling them what to prophesy. And he takes them down to Kidron and has them killed. Get rid of them. My Lord, that same man. Now, but when we go to 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, uh, verses 2 and 3, listen to what it says. 
Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She's saying, just like you had my prophets killed, I'm going to kill you. I'm coming to get you. And when he saw that, he arose. When he gets the word, he runs. The same man in chapter 18 that was standing toe-to-toe with King Ahab now is running for his life. The Bible says, and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. Listen to this. He runs for his life. Fear is a dreadful thing. Oh, yes, fear is dreadful. Uh, and I'm sure that we've all uh, been in a place of fear uh, during this journey. And I may be talking to someone right now. Um, we've all experienced it into in, some measure. He was unable, not only was he gripped by fear and alarm, but he is unable to even bear the presence of his servant. Right? If we go back to verse number three. Um, it says these words. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. So um, Elijah's self-imposing isolation, because when, you, when you're going through a lot of times, uh, and you're overstrained, even the presence of friends and family irritates you. You don't want to be around anybody, right? Now, this was a servant. He went everywhere with the prophet. So they had a relationship. Uh, but now Elijah is, is so messed up on the inside that he doesn't, he can't even bear the sight of his own servant. And he leaves him uh, in Bathsheba. And he's in the place of depression. He's overwhelmed with depression. Listen to my notes. Depression, despondency, and despair. Depression, despondency, and despair. Um, verse number four. 1 Kings 19, verse number four. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. I want to die. I don't want to live anymore. And said, it is enough. I can't take it anymore. Hmm. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life. for I am not better than my fathers or my ancestors. Take me out of here. I don't want to live anymore. Have you ever felt like that? I don't even want to be here anymore. Now, I'm not talking about I'm going to leave church. I don't want to worship here no more. Have you ever been in what you just don't want to be here, period? And that's where Elijah, the same preacher that called down fire, shut up the heavens through the power of prayer now, is saying, I don't want to live anymore. Lord, take me out of here. He's not the only person in Scripture who has felt that way. Uh, but let's, let's talk some more. Uh, he was overstrained. He couldn't bear the presence of his, his uh, servant, self-imposed isolation. He gets, gets a servant out of his way, and now he's under the juniper tree and saying, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, so 
And I need to ask this question. There may be someone here who's like the prophet. You're sitting under a juniper tree. You've isolated yourself because of your depressive state of mind. You're irritated uh, over life. It hasn't been too long ago you were worshiping and praising and shouting and testifying. Uh, what are you doing here? How did you get here? Uh, he's sitting under the juniper tree, Elijah is. And um, let's go to the book of Psalms. I want to take you to the book of Psalms uh, 42, verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? This is David. He's feeling depressed himself. So people of God do have seasons of despondency and despair. We're, we're still in this flesh and we have, we have issues. Things don't always work out the way that we want them to work out. And the struggle at times gets to be very disheartening. This is David puts it in writing. Why art you cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my continence and my God. The 43rd Psalm, verse number five. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? repeating his music. He's repeating himself. Here I am again in the midst of this despairing feeling, this attitude. I got a bad attitude about things. I, I feel like giving up. But he says, I will yet praise him who is the health of my continence and my God. So here we get a little uh answering or a breath of fresh air in the midst of our despondency, David is quickly uh, giving us the secret or the answer to the lesson. He's saying, yet I will praise God. I'm not going to give in to this. Um, but Elijah was in the place where he was ready to just give in. I'm done. Have you ever said those words? I'm done. I'm done. So, uh, but we also can say about this man of God that he was presumptuous, perhaps even unwise in his praying. I'll take you back to verse number four, First um, Kings 19 and four, where it says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my fathers. He, he felt just like perhaps uh, the psalmist felt when, when he wrote the 55th Psalm. I'll read it for you. Psalm 55, verses 3 through 8. Listen to these words. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, 
for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. The writer of that piece of music was saying, Lord, I, I wish there was a back door somewhere where I can get out of all of the stuff that I'm dealing with right now. Uh, he perhaps felt just like the psalmist felt. Uh, we also get the feeling that Elijah was dealing with self-pity. Um, he was pitying himself or feeling sorry for himself. I'll take you back to 1 Kings 19 and 4 and read it again. He himself, he goes a day's journey into the wilderness. He sits under the juniper tree and requests, Lord, just take me out of here. I don't want to live anymore. And he says, I've had enough. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my fathers. It sounds like self-pity to me, and this is always a dangerous state to be in. Child of God, I don't care how many tongues you speak in. Uh, when you get to a place of self-pity and you feel like you don't want to do it anymore, don't want to live anymore, um, that's a bad place to be in. And the next thing that we discover is that Elijah, this powerful warrior, spiritual warrior, he has an unbalanced view of things. You know, when you're, when you're, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're, you're feeling depressed and down and defeated and you want to give up, uh, your view or your perspective uh, can be thrown off. Um, let's, let's look at some verses here. First Kings chapter 19. We're going to look at three verses, verse 10, verse 14, and verse number 18. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10 says, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Verse 14, and he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Verse 18, listen again. Yet I have left, this is God speaking back. Because after God has the angels say, what are you doing here? And he says, well, I was very jealous. I'm upset within me because we've destroyed the altars. We've done all this, but I'm here left all by myself, and they're threatening to take my life. And this is what God says to him. I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. So uh, his perception was off. He's feeling, well, I'm all by myself. I'm going through. Uh, I fought a good fight, and uh, but now here I am defeated. And, and listen, perhaps he may have felt like after he did what he did that uh, all of Israel would have repented and even Jezebel would have turned to God, but it didn't happen that way. Uh, and when you do the work of the Lord and when you're obedient to the Lord, everyone 
may not jump on the bandwagon. There may be some who are still fighting. There might be some things that will always, uh, no matter how hard you pray, uh, that thing you prayed about, there might be a portion of that that comes back to knock on your door or, or to irritate, uh, but, but it, it, it's not cause. And I'm not saying this uh, in disrespect of how you might feel, but it's not cause. It shouldn't be cause. Don't let that be the cause of you going into a place of self-pity or having an unbalanced view uh, because the Lord speaks back to him and says, there are, there are over 7,000 who have not bowed down to Baal or kissed his face. Hallelujah. There, there are still those uh, who have let go uh, because of your example. They've, they've let go of the world. There, there are people that have been affected by what you do that you're not even aware of. And no matter how lonely you feel, you're not by yourself. So in times of overstrain and illness, everything tends to, to get out of perspective. And um, little problems can be exaggerated to big problems. What he had done in chapter 18 was much greater uh, than Jezebel taunting him and saying, I'm going to kill you. The man had over 450 false prophets killed. He prayed and shut up the heavens, prayed and fire came down and destroyed an altar that had been saturated with water. And now he's running. And what he had been through and God had accomplished through him, hallelujah, was, was much more threatening than Jezebel taunting him. So, he had an unbalanced view, and everything now was, was out of whack, out of perspective, and, and what was smaller was really exaggerated into being something much larger in his mind, in his mind. So I would dare say that perhaps he temporarily lost his faith in God, and some, may, some theologian watching me might disagree but I'd submit he had a temporary setback, temporary setback. And that might be where somebody watching me tonight is you're having a temporary setback. You've, you've seen God do a lot of things. Yes, you've seen healings. You've been healed yourself. You've seen deliverance. You've been delivered yourself. You've seen mighty moves of God. Hallelujah. Not only in your life but in other people's life, but here you are in a place of despondency and despair, feeling like you're giving up. What are you doing there? What are you doing here? Perhaps he temporarily lost his faith. Uh, and let me say it this way, it's in my notes. He still believed in him, but he could not trust him in this emergency. Have you ever been in a place you, you, you trusted God for one thing, but here you are struggling to trust God in this emergent situation? Uh, I've seen him do it before, but I'm in, I'm in the middle of it. And the way I'm feeling, this is an emergency. This is, this is something I, I've, I've never felt before. So he fell apart. He went to pieces. He was having a temporary setback in his faith. 
temporarily losing faith. And he, he may say, I still believe you, Lord, but I'm struggling trusting you in this situation. I'm talking real talk tonight. Yeah, I'm struggling in this situation. I've been in other situations and the Lord brought me out. But here you are now and, and you it's an emergent situation and you're, you're feeling pressure. It's not like the pressure was before and you're struggling trusting God and you're falling apart in the midst of this. There's, there's little doubt that Elijah was, was perhaps even, uh, what I'm not a doctor, uh, but perhaps even he was experiencing a nervous breakdown. Yeah, we're, and we're all subject to it, the strong of us, of strongest of us. And, and during this pandemic, you'd be surprised some of the saints having to be shut up in the house and, and dealing with this. Is a, we're, it's a day you've never seen before, right? And so we're all subject to this, whether it's in a larger or greater or lesser degree. Um, and to some of uh, all of, of the above mentioned things that I first stated, uh, when one is in a normal state of health, right, uh, experiences similar to Elijah or, or just related to our own situations uh, are only very temporary. But when they persist, when you, when the situation persists, um, then that's different. And, and some of us have been struggling with whatever it is for quite some time. Uh, you're just in a bad way. Elijah was in a bad way. Uh, so is, is there no deliverance from these disturbing experiences? Um, is there no help in the midst of this? Um, in the midst of a breakdown? There certainly is. <laughs> God is my refuge and my strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. So uh, it's most important for you to remember that. Most important to you, there's always help. And I know, uh, especially because the days that we live in, everybody wants everything quick, 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 quick. Hurry up, hurry up, right? But you can't hurry God. You can't hurry God, hallelujah, just because... Uh, you're feeling the way you feel, it doesn't mean that God is not able. And it doesn't mean that God will not deliver you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. So how did he get here? How did Elijah get to where he was? This condition of depression and breakdown. Wow, depression and breakdown. Uh, so let's talk about this, and we're talking real talk tonight. Um, he's mentally overstrained, right? He's mentally overstrained, mentally overstrained. Uh, for about three and a half years, uh, he's experienced terrible tension, right? The heavens are shut up. Three and a half years, remember? And in the, the book of First Kings, he prays, the Lord tells him, pray. 
I'm going to shut up the heavens for three and a half years. There'll be no rain. And people knew he was responsible, that preacher right there. So there, he's going through three and a half years of tension where people are angry at him because of his walk with God, because he has such a prayer life and a connection with God. He can pray, and there's literally no rain for three and a half years. So he's experienced terrific tension, right? And it culminates, though, at the victory that he has at Mount Carmel and the slaughter of the priests. This is where we are. He slaughters all of these. Now, three and a half years have gone by, but at the end of the three and a half years, there's a confrontation between Elijah and the prophets of Jezebel. And they're all slaughtered. The priests are slaughtered, right? We read that in 1 Kings chapter 18. So it's to be wondered that he is exhausted mentally. And he's a bit nervous. He's exhausted mentally. He had gone through all of this, uh, and mentally he's exhausted. So let's understand. Let's have some understanding. Listen, we can't just talk about people falling apart and not take time to try to understand how they got to where they are. Can't be so quick to judge. Try to understand. How did, how did she get there? How did he get there? Uh, he was mentally overstrained, and he is physically exhausted. I'm sorry. So uh, he's physically exhausted. Not only had the experience of the past years made heavy demands upon his body, but now um, in the midst of this, after hearing this, he runs for about 18 miles. I wish I had time to tell you how we figured that out, but from him to get to where he was to the wilderness. It was about 18 miles away from where he left his servant. So, he, so he's physically exalted, mentally overstrained. And because he runs, he's, mentally, he's physically exhausted. Um, so now there were demands made on him mentally. Now he's physically tired and worn out because he's taken an 18-mile cross-country run. The third thing, he's spiritually out of touch. He's spiritually out of touch. 1 Kings 19, uh, verses 2 and 3, Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them, uh, by tomorrow about this time and when she saw that he arose and went uh, sorry and when he saw that he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba which belongeth to Judah and left his servant there uh, so I want you to notice the words when he saw that when he saw that and let's compare to Matthew 14 and 30 but when he saw the wind boisterous this is Peter now, right? When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. So um, this is Peter now that I'm talking about. So it, it does happen to the people of God. Uh, he has one prophet who has just destroyed Jezebel's uh, false, uh, false ministerial board, a false board of prophets. They, they only prophesied what Jezebel told them to prophesy, right? And now we see Peter 
when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. So it's safe to say then Elijah took his eyes off of the Lord and started looking into the circumstance. He took his eyes off of God and started looking into old Jezebel. She's crazy. This woman's going to kill me. And I killed all of her prophets. She's really going to kill me. Anything crazy could have been going through his mind, but he had taken his mind and his eyes off of God, off of Jehovah, and now he's focusing on his circumstances, the threats of Jezebel. So if you want to be depressed, if you want to be fearful, if you want to be filled with self-pity, just take your eyes off of God. If you want to be depressed, filled with despair and self-pity, take your eyes off of God and look at your circumstances. The problems of this world. Just take a good look at yourself. If you want to stay in that predicament, take your eyes off of God and just focus on the negative. Listen, um, these were the three reasons why uh, everything collapsed in Elijah's life. He's, he's in a nervous breakdown period in his life. Um, he was sick mentally. He was sick physically and spiritually. Mentally, physically, and spiritually. And we have to consider all of these things together. Um, for the mental aspects, the spiritual um, and the physical, they all affect one another. The mental affects the spiritual and the physical affects the mental and so forth and so on. It's all connected. We are, we are complicated beings, but uh, we can't be so spiritual until we forget that we're still living in this physical body. Uh, and we can't be so physical until we forget that we are uh, spiritual beings living in the house of clay. <laughs> We've got to understand this thing. And yes, I speak in tongues, but there are days when I'm weak and I need God to do something for me. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we're not going to talk about how people dealt with Elijah. We're going to talk about how God dealt with Elijah. And in seeing how God dealt with him, we learn a whole lot about how to treat people who are going through these kinds of things. Listen to how God dealt with him. Notice how Elijah was dealt with by the divine physician. <laughs> and the cure that was prescribed by God for him that sent him on the road to recovery. Now, listen, you may be in this situation, but let Dr. Jesus take care of you. Let God uh, nurture you. Let God, hallelujah, doctor you. He's the great physician. He is the balm in Gilead. He, he knows how to take care of us. Uh, so we said that Elijah was physically exhausted. Elijah is physically exhausted, so the Lord attended to his needs. He attended to the needs of his body, yes. You mean God took care of his, yes. God attended to the needs of his body. Um, 
let's look up uh, the book of Psalms 103, verse 14. Listen, for he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. <laughs> That's a powerful verse. He knows my frame. He knows what I'm, what I'm composed of. He knows me inch by inch. He knows me. He knows me. And he remembereth that we're nothing but dust. Yes, so he knows how to handle me. He knows I'm fragile. He knows I'll break. He knows me. So um, we read here that God prescribed several things. He prescribed food, sleep, and plenty of fresh air. How do I know that? Well, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19 verses. We're going to read verses 5, 7, 9, and 13. First uh, Kings chapter 19, verses 5, 7, 9, and 13. Let's read. Uh, uh, verses 5 and 7 first. Verse 5, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. Verse number 7, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time. And touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Verse number nine. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Verse number 13. It says these words. And it was so when Elijah heard it, and that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. Now, I went a little bit ahead of myself, but I'll, I'll backtrack. So um, verses five and seven goes into his prescription. He prescribes food, sleep, and plenty of fresh air. So uh, when you add all all of it up, and when you get into the actual journey that's being prescribed, Elijah had about a six-week vacation. Gave him a, a six-week holiday. Lord help me, Lady Phil's listening to this. I know what she's gonna do as soon as I'm through. When are we going on a vacation? You need to get away. You need to rest. And I'm talking to myself now. Hallelujah. The Lord gave him a six-week holiday. Uh, and, it's, and it's essential that we pay attention to what I'm saying. We pay, pay attention to these three simple rules of body health. Number one, you have to eat right. Nourishing food. You have to eat right. Church folk have an issue with eating right. Stop eating all that fried food at midnight. Eat correct. Eat right. Uh, eat regular. Yes, have regular and sufficient sleep. And the third thing the Lord gave him was fresh air, exercise and relaxation. That little sprint that he did, right? Uh, he gave, he had fresh air. He's underneath the juniper tree. Uh, so uh, he thought he was there to die, but God was giving him uh, rest and relaxation. So three things, you have to eat right, you have to have sufficient rest and plenty of fresh air and exercise 
relaxation because he was physically exhausted. The next, Elijah was, he was mentally overstrained, right? God was taking care of him physically, but he was having mental issues. And, and the mental issues is an area that saints don't like to talk about. But even during this pandemic, a lot of us uh, people of God have been affected mentally. And we need to talk about it because Elijah was mentally overstrained. So the Lord had to deal with his mind. His, his mental outlook was distorted now and unbalanced. So after about six weeks of rest and care, good feeding and fresh air, uh, the Lord comes to him and repeats his question. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Let's go to verse 9 and 13 of 1 Kings chapter 19. And he came thither unto a cave, and he lodges there, right? And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? He says it again to him in verse 13. And there's a reason. We're going to get into it. When God repeats himself over and over again, there's this there's a reason for it. Verse, and it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in mantle in his mantle rather and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? So listen, and, and you may debate with me, but I, what I believe the Lord is doing here, uh, his object was to cause Elijah to face reality. Hallelujah. And would you believe that people of God struggle at times with facing reality? Yeah. But what he's getting Elijah to do by asking him several times during this process, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Right? Why are you here? What are you doing here in this place of despondency and depression? Why are you here? And I think what he's trying to get the prophet to do is to face reality, face your fears, look it in the face. What is it? Face your fear and problems and look them squarely in the face. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and the sound mind. So he's by asking, what are you doing here? What doest thou here? What are you doing here? He asked them several times, right? Uh, in the beginning, he starts throwing off excuses. Well, uh, we, we conquered this and we conquered the, the prophets and we destroyed this, yet I'm here by myself. I'm the only one left. And they're threatening my life. Around the second time he asked him, the Lord lets him know, I've got about 7,000 that haven't bowed to Baal or kissed his face. But he asked him again when his when his vacation was getting ready to come to a close, when his, his, uh, his holiday, his off time now, uh, he was feeding him, he was giving him rest and fresh air and exercise. Now, what are you doing here? How did you get to this place? I believe he's getting him to face his fear because if you don't face it, if you don't face it now, you'll deal with that all over again. And there's some things we don't need to go through over and over again. Look it in the face. Look it right in the face. He's trying to get him to face his fears and his problems squarely in the face. Look it in the face. Look that problem in the face. Eyeball to eyeball. 
Hallelujah. That problem is never greater than your God. That situation, that pain is never greater than your God. The storm that you're in, God is greater than your storm. Hallelujah. Come on, put it in the, the comment section. God is greater than my problem. So look it in the face. Look it in the face. Listen, there's a, there's a, a saying out there. It's, it's, it's a meme that's been floating around Facebook, and it's even a song. I heard it on the radio. Stop telling uh, God about your problems and start telling your problems about your God. He's, he's saying, listen, man, you've conquered. You've done all this. Now you're here. I'm the same God uh, with you now that was with you when you had your last victory. If I helped you before, I can help you now. So look it in the face. And you better believe while you're looking your problem in the face, God is standing behind you. Lo, I'm with you always, even until the very end of the world. I'm, I'm ministering to somebody. And the third thing, the other thing we told you that not only was he strained mentally, not only was he going through a, a fearful time in his life, uh, he had an unbalanced view of things, but he was out of touch spiritually. So the Lord had to deal with his soul. So God was dealing with his body. He was dealing with his mind. And God was dealing with his soul. So you're going through my sister, my brother. God can deal with your body, your mind, and your soul. He was out of touch spiritually. So the Lord started dealing with his soul. He, he gave him a wonderful vision of his power. <laughs> oh, God. While you're going through, ask God to give you a vision of his power. Remind me of your ability, his power, his glory, and his tenderness. First Kings chapter 19, uh -huh. verses 11 and 12. Listen, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So God gives him a vision of his power, his glory, and finally, his tenderness. So I can, let's compare these two verses I just read, 11, verses 11 and 12, 1 Kings chapter 19. Let's compare to what the psalmist writes in the 46th Psalm and the 10th verse. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. And I will be exalted in the earth. So three things Elijah needed. And I don't want to hold you too much longer, but I'm really feeling this in my spirit. And I feel like someone needs to be ministered to. You're, you're in this place. And God wants to know what are you doing here? Hallelujah. But Elijah, he needed three things. He needed physical restoration, mental renewal. But most of all, he needed a spiritual revival. Yes, and sometimes you go along and you're working so hard and you've been, you're in it. 
Hallelujah. And God wants to bring you to a place. You need to go to a place of physical restoration. You've been working so hard and so long. There's been so much tension until you, you need God to restore your physical strength. And that takes rest, relaxation. Start eating right. Yeah. Start eating right. You need a mental renewal. Hey, God. But most of all, you need a revival in your soul, in your spirit. So uh, what, I, what I love about this the most, and I know some call this a sad chapter, but what I really love about this the most is that in God entreating him, he did not accuse Elijah. This is why I say he's, you, you want God to handle it. People, people will be dismissive and judgmental. I thought you were so-and-so-and-so. All oh, you, you, I, you were the songster. I thought you had it together. People will do that to you. God did not accuse him. Just ask him a question. What are you doing here? He, didn't, he did not accuse Elijah of his failure. He did not smear it in his face. You're nothing but a big mouth. You're nothing but a failure. You're nothing but God did not accuse him of his failure. But when he restores him, listen to what he does. He not only restores him, but he recommissions him. And I want somebody to listen to this because God is getting ready to restore your strength. And with that restoration, he's going to recommission you where you felt like giving up. Hallelujah. Your last battle beat you up pretty bad. God is not only going to restore, but he's going to recommission. He's going to put you back to work. He come out shot. He who has started or he who has begun a good work in you. Yes, he will accomplish that. He will fulfill it. He will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this office right now. God didn't accuse him of his failure. He said, you're nothing but a failure, nothing but a big mouth preacher. I thought, no, he took care of him. He nurtured him. He strengthened him, got him together. He questioned him. As I forestated, he wants face your face your fears. Look it in the face. You don't have to come back here to this place. Not if you're serving me. No, Hallelujah. He didn't accuse Elijah, but he restores him and he recommissions him. How do I know? I'm glad you asked. First Kings 19 and 15, and the Lord said unto him, Go. Get up from here now. Go. Go back to work. Hashandamo, get back to work. Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshai, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. He's putting them back to work. Go back to your duty. Get back to work. Hallelujah. Yes. Put it in the comment section. Hashtag get back to work. He puts, gives him, he gives him a commission, recommissions him. Go, return thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshai shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shemphat. Right now, this is going to be his protege. Anoint Elijah the son of Shemphat of Abelamelah. <laughs> Sound like I was speaking in tongues, but that's the word. Abimelahalah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room, in thy space. 
this is going to be your replacement. So now he brings him, he recommissions him, but he, he institutes now succession. Because as you know, Elisha would be translated. He's going to go up in a, a chariot of fire. But before I take you, before I retire you, listen, only God can retire you. I want you to start training your protege. I want you to start training your replacement. Yes, anoint, thou shalt anoint to be prophet in thy room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God. My God. He didn't accuse him. He didn't push him away. He restores him. And he recommissions him. I'm, I'm getting ready to close. I want to give you some closing thoughts here. I've held you long enough. Hallelujah. And I want to encourage someone. And, and let's close out here. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Psalms 27 verse 13. Yes, I think now I, I know him pretty well. This this is, I think if I'm right, he'll correct me if I'm This is Deacon Basil's favorite, one of his favorite scriptures where, and is one of mine too. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And why am I closing here? I'm closing here. Uh, for two reasons. Number one, I know the realities of the journey. I, I, I understand it. I didn't understand it at first when I first got the Holy Ghost, but I understand there's a reality that of this. And what do I mean? I mean, just because I speak in tongues, just because I'm a child of God, it does not exempt me from experiencing the realities of life because I'm, I'm here. I'm, I might be in the world and not of it, but I'm still in this flesh, right? And I have feelings and pains and, and wishes and thoughts, just like any ordinary man. And even James said, as powerful as Elijah was, he had like passions as we. He experienced everything. He wasn't superhuman. He wasn't superman. He didn't have an S on his chest, right? Uh, so he, he had issues. Anyone that you read about in the Bible had issues. Abraham had them. Moses had them. David had them, right? Peter had them. When he saw the wind was boisterous, he, he became afraid. So we, we all have those reality checks. Things happen. Hallelujah. But what you also learn is that God is just as real as your problem is. Hallelujah. And he's greater than the issue at hand. God is greater. And the other reason why I'm closing here is because we need to close out on the fact that no matter what's going on or how we feel, we cannot stop trusting God. Never stop trusting God. Hallelujah. Trusting in God. And, and, and this is why I ended here because David says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living, I've seen too. I've seen God do too many things. I would have, I would have passed out. I would have died if if God wasn't the kind of God He was. I wouldn't be here to talk about what I've been through. So trusting in God and being confident uh, in His love and goodness, Hallelujah. 
are indispensable. Indispensable. If I'm going to persevere in this faith, then I have to trust him. I have to trust him and I have to be confident in his love for me and in his goodness. Don't let go of that. The Lord loves me. I'm going through, but the Lord loves me. Yes, and he's a good God. And I'm going to persevere in this. I'm going to hold on in the midst of this. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to feel like giving up, but I'm going to check myself at some point and say, Lord, you're, you're good. You're a good God and you love me and you have all power and you're greater than all of this that I'm going through. So as believers, as born again believers, we're going to be severely tried. And there's some of you who have been saved longer than I, who can, who can come and sit in this chair and tell people face to face, even on this, on this virtual Bible study, that I know God is a way maker. I know God is a deliverer. And you can share your, your life's journey and, and things that would blow people's minds. If people knew the whole story, Hallelujah. If they knew your real testimony, their mouths would just spread wide open because we are severely tried at times. Yet nothing can bring us to despair. Listen, nothing can bring you to despair and defeat as long as you keep your eyes on God. And this is what happened to Elijah. It happened to Peter in the storm, right? That that situation, we take our eyes off of God and we stare at that situation. And that's when fear starts coming in. Keep your eyes on the Lord. I will look into the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heavens and the earth. When my heart is overwhelmed within me, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. This is the trick of the enemy to get us to look away. Look away from God and look at all of this trouble. Look at all of this. But as long as we keep our eyes on God, there is hope. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. As long as we keep our eyes on God, there is hope. In the midst of darkness, yes, in the midst of darkness, I hear the Lord say, wait. Weeping endures for the night, but joy. I feel like preaching today. Weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Wait. Wait on it. Wait on it. I know you're going through, but wait on it. God will not only restore you, but he'll recommission you. Hallelujah. He will not only restore you, but he will recommission you. Just wait on it. And while you're waiting, get as close to him as you possibly can. Draw nigh unto him. He'll draw nigh unto you and remain steadfast. Yep. And in God's own time, he'll manifest his goodness in your life. He'll perfect you. He'll do something. Yes, he will. I said, yes, he will. The devil is a liar. So Elijah, he experienced physical restoration. And I hear the word of God say, beloved, I wish above all things that you may as prosper and be in health even as thy soul prosperous. He would experience a mental renewal. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind 
is stayed on me. I hear Paul say in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So while you're going through, talk to the Lord. Don't shut down on God when you're going through. Don't shut your mouth on your, and don't praise God while you're going. No, when you're going through, open your mouth. Make all the noise you can. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye land and serve the Lord with gladness. When you're going through, open your mouth and talk to the Lord. Lay in your bed, talk to the Lord. Lord, I need you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I, yes. Don't be silent when you're going through. Open your mouth and talk to your God. So Elijah, he would experience that mental renewal and he would experience a spiritual revival. Psalmist in, in the 85th Psalm 6 verse says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Yes, God is a revivalist. He will revive your very soul. Psalm 80, 19. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, because thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Hallelujah. Turn us again. Turn us again to your face. I've been staring at my problems so long, but turn me around so I can see you. Hallelujah. I've been staring at my bills, but turn me around so I can see you. And when I see you, I'll open my mouth and say, but my God shall supply my every need according to his riches and glory. I'm going to stop now. I don't want to. My Lord, but I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are you doing here? How did you get to that place of discouragement and despondency? Hallelujah. We spent some time talking about it. And I want you to know that not only can God restore you, but he'll send a recommission. He'll renew your mind. He'll renew your spirit. As David said, he restoreth my soul. I want to pray a special prayer for you. Yeah. I don't know your name. And we're not able to sit in the room face to face. But God knows you. He knows where you are. And I am asking you, what are you doing here? Let me take care of you. Let me renew, restore, and replenish and recommission you. Hallelujah. I want to give you time if I'm talking to you tonight or if there's someone that you know that's going through and you've been praying for them that the Lord will restore and, and uh, replenish their strength so they can get back to work. Put their names, just put their names in the comment section. If it's you, put your name in the comment section. We'll give you time. Let's establish an electronic prayer list. I want to give you time tonight. We want to pray for you, for your strength, that the Lord will touch your mind. Some of us, are, there's a war going on in our thoughts. It's a real struggle. But we serve a real God. 
and he's able to deliver you. He's able to bring you out. Hashanda. Yes, he is. And he's able to renew. Yes, to that young man that's laying in his bed with, with the sheets and the blankets covered over his head. And the enemy has you fearful. And you're breaking down on the inside. I want you to know that God is your strength. That young lady that's having suicidal thoughts. Yeah, I'm talking to a saint. I'm talking to somebody who sings praises unto God. But you're in a place right now where you, you feel like everything is falling apart. I want you to know there is hope. As long as Christ is here, as long as God is who he is, there is hope. He will renew. He will restore you. And he'll give you a new commission, a fresh anointing. Hatamu Shande. Hallelujah. The names are rolling in. Come on. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know who these people are. Every child of God, every person whose name Oh, God is appearing in these comments section. And there may be some who have decided not to put their names there, but you still know who they are, where they are, and what's going on in their life. I pray for their strength. Send an angel to that place, to their room. Let your presence be felt and known and speak to them. Hallelujah. Deal with them where they are. Oh, God, and bring strength and comfort to them. Hallelujah, because there's more work for them to do. I'm asking, oh God, that you'll give them a total renewal. Hallelujah, oh yes, a total makeover. Help them, oh God, they've been through before, but there's something about this struggle, something about this situation that, that has them jaded. And, and in the midst of all of this, Lord, I pray that you let them see your hand. Oh God. You have your way in the storm. That's what the prophet said. You have your way in the storm. Oh, yes. And the clouds are the dust of your feet. You're in control here. So bring them to that place, oh God, where they can be strengthened in the inner man. Touch their mind. Touch their body. Touch their soul tonight. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Just reach up in light right now where you are and begin to praise God. Open your mouth, brother. Open your mouth, my sister. Open your mouth and praise God. Release a praise and let God minister to you right where you are. Hallelujah, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you tonight. The Lord bless you tonight you have a special request, send it to me, admin at grtdc.org, and we will respond. And I'll even lay your prayer request on the altar uh, as I lay on my face before the Lord, touching and agreeing with you, knowing that God, he is a prayer answering God. And if you'd like to pay your tithing or uh, plant seed in this ministry, you may do so. Uh, follow the instructions on the screen that our technician has put up for you. And those of you who are uh, have joined us at the Refuge Temple Annex there at 716 East 233rd Street, those of you who are sitting in the sanctuary, uh, you may use Givelify or someone will uh, can pass the basket there, maybe Elder Blackwood or 
uh, mother van, one of them can pass the basket and you can uh, plant your seed, but you give Lephi of the wise. Uh, Father, take every seed that's being planted and bring forth harvest, we ask. Bless both gift and giver in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. I don't want to hold you any longer, uh, but I feel the Lord is still ministering to someone. Continue to worship the Lord. Continue to praise him. You'll be surprised. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. He'll come right in the midst of your hallelujah and he'll minister to you right there. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you. And we pray that we'll be able to meet on next week. But until then, three things I want you to do. Be careful, be prayerful, and be holy. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.